But what we hoped to try and do was just create a person who feels like all of us, feels like everyone else, you know? Mm -hmm. And perhaps because of COVID and how much of a struggle that has been for everyone globally, there was something about how Mare comes across her demeanor, how she holds herself and looks, that I think sort of seemed to make people feel validated in a way. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Entertainment Weekly's The Awardist Podcast, where we are breaking down the state of this year's Emmys race and talking to some of your favorite stars who, of course, are going for gold in September. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall, and I am joined by EW critic Kristen Baldwin. Kristen, how are you? They're going for Lady Emmy. We're going to make it happen. That's true. Lady yeah. Emmy. I know. Wait, I keep I keep forgetting. You were trying to carry on that Conan O'Brien uh, <laughs> tradition, and I keep forgetting I about it. They are going for Lady Emmy. Yes. I'm excited. Well, there are some great people going for Lady Emmy. Today, specifically, we are talking limited series. We're going to break down that main category and actress in a limited series or anthology series or TV movie. It's a very long, complicated it's title. It's a but long title. Yep. Yeah. Um, I got to say, this episode I'm really excited about because I think these categories in particular were some of my favorite TV of the past year. And there are some of the titles that you saw every week trending, uh, you know, on social media. People could not yes. get enough of them. They needed more. They wanted more. Uh, and we're speaking with one of those nominated stars today who uh, I just um, I just I need him a split second, a moment to take it all in and remember that I spoke with her for uh, a lovely half hour. Oscar winner, Grammy winner, I think for her like spoken word album or something. Doesn't matter. Uh, she still, is, yeah. I know, right? She is a previous Emmy winner and she may take home her second one this year. I'm talking about Kate Winslet. Ugh. What? What? She's just the best. Uh, you know, look, there are some movie stars who just exude glamour and coolness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got that. She is all of that. But she could not be more down to earth, unaffected yes. by Hollywood and all of that. Um, she's just the loveliest person and really gives you all during her interview. She's there for it, for the fun, yes. for the serious. And uh, that's what I love and appreciate about her so much. So I'm really excited for uh, everyone to hear that interview later. But let's dive in to these uh, to this limited series category, shall we? Yes. You want me to run them down for you? Yes, all right. Please. Uh, well, we'll start with hers. Of course, uh, Kate was in Mayor of Easttown on HBO, which uh, just had its run here late in the uh, eligibility window. Uh, also kind of in the HBO family there on HBO Max, I May Destroy You. On Netflix, The Queen's Gambit. On Amazon Prime Video, The Underground Railroad. And from Disney Plus, the juggernaut that was WandaVision. Okay, so some of these scored a lot of nominations. Queen's yes. Gambit. I think, you know, when that aired, it was like, oh, the, the, what's going to beat this? Nothing's going to beat exactly. it. It's from Netflix. They're putting a lot behind it. But that series came out eight months ago, which is just wild to believe. And eight months in pandemic time, which feels like <laughs> three years. Right. That's true. That's what that's why I'm sitting here thinking only eight months ago. It feels like it was years ago. Queen's Gamut, just a, a phenomenal series. I don't think uh, I don't, I don't want to say I don't think anyone thought it was going to be boring. I, maybe they did, but I did not expect 
what that series gave us um, between exactly. the time period and the, um, you know, a, a series about someone playing chess should not be this interesting or this good. It has no right to be. And it's just a knockout. I, I want more from it. Yes. And, you know, it definitely, like you said, it was the most talked about thing at the time. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I want to say just about this limited series category, if you look at it, most of these, mm-hmm. if not all, are really female dominated stories. And that's why yes. I feel like this category is also, and we'll talk about it a little later, just it's such a it's such a rich race for mm-hmm. the lead actress in this and supporting in this because it's mm-hmm. all of these stories are just really there are mm-hmm. men in them, but these are female driven stories. So yeah, yeah, the Queen's Gambit is one that you know, had a lot of momentum uh, and it certainly won a lot of awards, but then it was before that was before Mayor of Easttown. So right now Mayor yes. of Easttown has the recency, you know, going for it, but there's, you know, WandaVision was a huge hit and people really, yeah. I think probably the best reviewed of all their series. Right. Yeah. I would think so too. I mean, and you know, this, this to me is like the equivalent of, uh, you know, Black Panther getting the best picture nomination. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are some of these titles that even though they're big and flashy and fun, when you strip all that away and you look at the story, that I think is really what's pulling this along. And yes, of course, the effects and all of that were great and the yeah. acting all around, which we'll talk about a bit more later too. But um, WandaVision, I think, absolutely earned its spot here for what it, it dealt with, especially with grief. Who expected mm-hmm. what they did talking about grief, uh, you know, from a superhero comic book show? It was, exactly. it was phenomenal. Yeah. But then, of course, we cannot forget which uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, I guess they could forget it, Uh, I May Destroy You, which came out right at the beginning of the eligibility window. Uh, And and it was one of those that I think it took a minute for people to to watch and to catch on. But once they did, oh boy. And and I will tell you this from uh, from doing our other podcast, What to Watch. Um, You know, we often have stars telling us what they are watching, what they love. And there's a lot of love in Hollywood for I May Destroy You. Well, and it's that's really a visionary work mm. because, you know, it's Michaela Cole from start to finish. It's sort of based on her own experience, but, you know, she stars in it. She writes it. She's, you know, it's really her vision and often something that is so purely directed from one creator can really be yeah. incredible. And this was, it told a story about, consent and just modern womanhood in a way that we have never seen before. Um, and I do think, you know, she, she just got cast by the way in um, the black Panther. Black sequel. Panther. Like she, yeah. yeah. And so Phoebe Waller bridge was, you know, sort of the it woman of the moment during the mm-hmm. last uh, awards season or when Fleabag was out. And so I do think Michaela Cole is, really having a huge moment now. I mean, she's been huge in England for quite a while and now Hollywood has caught on. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, could be the stealth candidate to get in between mayor and queen's gambit. You just never know. Yeah. It makes me wonder if mayor and queen could like split the vote in any way. And of course there's the way that the votes are tabulated and, and, um, you know, that that complicates things too. Um, but yeah, it makes me wonder if they might split the vote. This is a really, really tough category. And whew, I don't know. I honestly, yeah. I, I, I couldn't tell you right now today what I think 
would win. Um, and Mayor of Easttown, of course, being the late entry here, you know, once upon a time, The Undoing was in consideration here. Another murder mystery, uh, albeit a very different one. Um, yes. But Mayor just, uh, you know, audiences latched onto this for very different reasons than they did The Undoing. And, you know, these, these whodunit murder stories are highly scrutinized by viewers, just like <laughs> sci-fi is, just like yeah. time travel stories are, because mm-hmm. audiences are looking for holes in stories. Right. Maybe not always looking for them, but as soon as one is evident, that's all anyone can focus on and think about. Exactly. And Mara's one of those, they were so sly, they um, you thought there was a hole in the story, and then five minutes later, they would address it and answer would, it, and yeah. you're like, ah, man, these people are good. It's a really smart script, and... Um, elevated by all of the actors too they have a lot going for them what a tough category i I, absolutely yeah check back with check back with us on ew.com and we'll uh, tell you closer to the emmys which (laughs) which one to pick here we need a little more time to simmer on this one absolutely and look at this lineup of actresses you want to go through the the nominees yeah. Okay. So Regina King won last year for Watchmen, which of course we all wish we got more of, but that's not going to happen. Sad. We'll move on from it. Um, okay. But this year, that means we have uh, Michaela Cole, who, who we've mentioned from I May Destroy You, Cynthia Erivo in Genius Aretha. That's technically one of the anthology series. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Olsen from WandaVision, Anya Taylor-Joy, star of The Queen's Gambit, and Kate Winslet, star of Mayor of Easttown. So I feel like... Can we scratch a couple names here? I think we can I mean, scratch I think Cynthia. Cynthia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, would I mean, agree she's with great you. in this. Uh-huh. I just don't think there was a lot of momentum behind that right. show. Yep. Yep. Um, agree. I kind of think we can probably scratch Elizabeth, who was great. And she, she mm-hmm. like we were, uh, we've spoken in a previous podcast about Journey Smollett on Lovecraft Country. Obviously, she had a lot of, you know, green screen acting to do and acting with things that aren't there. And on top of it here, uh, Elizabeth was adding so much, uh, so much emotion as this yeah. grieving, um, you know, she's lost her husband and then throw in the element of her children and, and everything that happens there. Um, she was fantastic, but I think this is, uh, I think this is a three woman race, Michaela, Anya and Kate. Yeah. And that's when you start doing sort of the, the scenarios. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. Michaela will definitely, I mean, God willing win for writing, um, because, you know, she wrote every episode. And so if they, you know, the voters, if they're looking to spread the love around, if they give her the award for writing, and that's also Mm -hmm. an award for, you know, sort of they're honoring her achievement with that show. And then do they give Kate the award for acting? Right. And then give Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm kind of thinking too. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it makes sense. Yeah. Cause you have to do that math and you're exactly. Yeah. Because on one hand, you think, well, if, if the writing's good enough to win, why shouldn't the series as a whole win? But but the Emmy voters often do this. Uh, they, well, I mean, uh, t- you know, Film Academy voters do as well. They they want to, you know, share the wealth, spread the love and, uh, you know, make sure everyone gets some recognition because, I mean, all of these series are worthy uh, of recognition. That is for sure. Um, and Anya Taylor-Joy, just uh, like I mentioned, she what she did with that material uh, yeah not just playing you know moving chess pieces around but she had to understand there's a psychology behind how chess is played she had to right. understand 
all of that um, and make it compelling because that's right but it's boring to sit around it, and watch there's a, up some people you yeah know, moving chess pieces but they yeah you know, she really you rooted for her you were it was like suspenseful you were you know yes. really on the edge of your seat and that was in large part yeah. due to her performance so yeah i mean yeah. There, there are any number of combinations and permutations you know in yeah. terms of how this could play out i mean kate if kate winslet you know I'm sure they'd love to see her get up on stage and give a speech because mm-hmm. she's just a freaking delight, you know, yes. so that could factor yeah. into it. You just yeah. never know. Yeah. And, and of know. course, there's a lot of love for Kate. As you'll hear, I, um, I read a, a quote to her from uh, a fellow actor, Titus Welliver, in our interview. And um, what he says there, I think, really sums up the whole of, of how great she is in this story, because, you know, on one hand, yes, she's trying to solve a murder, but she has a lot going on internally with spoiler alert, if you haven't watched, but also watch already. She, uh, you know, she is a grieving mother because her, her son um, took his own life. So she, she has a lot of that to uh, deal with that she is compartmentalized and is not really handling all that well. Mm-hmm. And it's a real study in being able to be still because performances don't always have to be big and flashy and she does so much the opposite of that here uh and just really i I couldn't take my eyes off of her every single scene so uh we will dive into more of all of that with kate uh my interview with her is coming up right after this break so don't go anywhere You loved her in Titanic. You watched her win an Academy Award for The Reader. She's an Emmy winner for Mildred Pierce. She might be another one this year. We're talking about Kate Winslet, of course. My conversation with her right now, we talk about so much. We have some fun, we have some laughs, and she gets very serious about this role, which uh, certainly affected her deeply and a lot of people who watched it. So please enjoy my interview with Kate Winslet. Thanks so much for joining me, Kate. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very, thank you very much for having me. Of course, uh, we're we're thrilled to have you. Like I said, um, I feel like maybe we should both have a have Rolling Rocks right now. Oh, I hand. had like five last night. It's um, good. oh, there you yeah. go. See, well, I've got some catching up to do then for <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I've got to say, uh, for those who don't know, Mayor of Easttown received sixteen Emmy nominations, which is just outstanding and all very well deserved. You are in this incredible field nominated for lead actress in a limited or anthology series or movie. It's a a mouthful there. Um, This is actually a category that you won, albeit it was a kind of a slightly different name, a decade ago in 2011 for Mildred Pierce. I got to ask first, what do you remember most about that experience, Mildred Pierce? And what do you remember about those Emmys? Well, (laughs) those two, yeah, I can answer those questions with hopefully real clarity because I remember both experiences really well. I mean, shooting Mildred Pierce and working with Todd Haynes was, it was a bit like, it was a bit of a dream come true. I I remember about five weeks into shooting, I feel like I sort of started to catch my breath and, and, and realized who it was I was working with, mm. you know, what I was learning every day and working with those wonderful actors. Um, it was quite a big production. And because it was a period piece, we had a lot of, you know, period cars and incredible locations mm-hmm. and yeah. remarkable costumes. I had something insane, like 
79 costume changes or something across the entire five episodes. Wow. It was crazy because wow. it spans about nine years in time. Right. Yeah, so so Mildred changed a lot. The hair changed. The fashion actually mm. changed in that time period. But it was a great experience. And I got to work with my beloved Guy Pearce, um, which mm-hmm. was a real treat, um, of course. He's just so wonderful and incredible yeah. actor. Um, and Evan Rachel Wood. And it was a really hard um I was a hard working experience, but very, very creatively rewarding. And uh, and then, yeah, I remember being so overwhelmed by the Emmys because I'd never been before and didn't know what to expect. And it was exciting. I was nervous, you know. I was, I was really, really nervous. Um, I think partly because also, it's going to sound a little bit sad, but... But I was going by myself. I was single at the time. I was no longer married to Sam Mendes. And it was an interesting couple of years in my life where I was sort of reassessing who I was and raising my children by myself and and to sort of walk a red carpet and attend an event like that, sort of as an independent woman, you know, kind of holding my own head high and sort of powering through. And, And then when I won, I just hadn't expected to win at all. And I, 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 and I do remember making a dumbass speech just because I didn't no. really expect it. I just didn't expect it. I just was like, oh, my God, now I have to say things and stand right. up and be eloquent. And, um, uh-huh. and yeah, I just remember that I, I totally wasn't uh, eloquent or elegant or any of those things. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very exciting. I mean, I think all of us watching felt the opposite. But, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people will say that those award stages, presenting, accepting, that there are more nerves in those moments than, like, any performance you give. Is that fairly accurate? You know, it is. Um, it is fairly <laughs> accurate. And I think it's partly because, you know, being nominated for something that you have poured your heart and soul into and mm. that takes a huge amount from you emotionally as well, like... You know, I mean, being nominated for mayor, it, 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 I can't explain how thrilled everyone is that we have these 16 nominations. And this is something that we just worked so hard on. Every single day, we dug deep and dug deeper and dug a little bit deeper. Um, and so when you find yourself in this slightly sort of out-of-body moment where you think, God, we're all really here and we're really sort of... <laughs> in competition with other people. That's mm. the part that's quite strange, is that yeah. you find yourself in a competition that you essentially didn't freely agree to participate <laughs> in. In sure. a funny, thrilling as it is. But so it's quite yeah. odd, because in many ways it does almost go against one's inner instinct to be, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose blatantly competitive. It's yeah. quite an odd dynamic. I've always found it very, very odd. Um, and I always feel really bad for the people who don't win. <laughs> um, mm. It's a yeah. strange experience. It's a really strange experience. Right. Because it's nothing to take away from those performances. Though Everybody's obviously nominated for a reason. That's Very right. Worthy. Everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like this year, you know, I think I think history is is so exciting right now in terms of the shifts and the changes that we're seeing in terms of gender parity and incredibly powerful performances from women and not just young women, you know, across the board. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a time when I feel like women are really standing together in ways that we haven't felt we've needed to or, or yearned for that sense of connection with our sort of mm. sisters in a way. And it's it's a time when I feel we we want to hear other women's stories more than ever. 
and 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 we're hungry for that. I think as as women, as actresses, but as a sort of a global industry, I think we we're, we're opening our eyes and our ears to hearing what women have to say in in a completely new way, and and that is very exciting, and that makes this year very exciting. Yeah, well, uh, th- this category alone and the limited series that we're on this year, I, they're my favorite categories of the year, and I ju- it's just been incredible work, incredible storytelling all around for sure. Um, I, I have to ask quickly, where do you keep that Emmy? Is it with the Oscar and the Grammy? Okay, on the one side of the Emmy is a golden mm-hmm. toilet brush, right? Which was won <laughs> by my son, Joe, in a competition oh. at, at school, a sort of like a fun talent show type thing where he improvised a drum solo and he won this oh, golden wow. toilet brush. So, 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 cause we have like an award shelf. So the golden toilet brush is sat next to the Emmy and on the other side of the Emmy is a sports medal that my son Bear won actually just like three weeks ago for coming third oh. place in like a relay thing. I love so, yeah. it. That's great. I <laughs> yeah. mean, put everything all together. Hard work is hard work and it's all- Well, you have uh, to find a way yeah. of kind of normalizing these things, you know, mm. for family and, um, and also, also partly, I suppose, taking the sort of heat out of it in a way, because sure. it's such a big thing. You know, these award shows are so huge and they mean so much to us all. And, and so I think a way of kind of just going, OK, back down to earth, everybody <laughs> next to the right. toilet brush. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the only thing missing from that shelf is a Tony Award. Get on Broadway. When's it going to happen? OK, so my son, Joe, <laughs> is obsessed with like records and stats and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And he's like, Mum. Do you realize that, you know, there's only so many people who have, have gotten an EGOT yeah. and mum, you know, you are so close, mum, and you're not one of those people yet. You know, come on, we've got to, got to get on it. What are we going to, I'm like, <laughs> I don't, He's I don't know. He's putting you in the competition. He's entering you in the race. <laughs> he's way more competitive. He's your coach. Than, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like way more competitive than any of the rest of us. Um, so yeah, yeah, I guess I'm letting the side down. Like I've got to get on with it. I don't know. Hand yeah. me a script, hand me a stage yeah. play. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's there somewhere just waiting for you. All right, so let's fully get into Mayor of Easttown. Uh, You know, there were, gosh, so many fascinating and compelling aspects to this series and the character Mayor's Job. We've started with a a missing teen girl. There's the murdered teen girl. Uh, She's divorced. Her son's suicide. Raising her grandson, her, uh, you know, situation with her teenage daughter. Uh, She's trying to date. She has the live-in mother. So of all of those... Is there an aspect or an element that stands out more than the others in terms of the reactions that you received or read? One thing in particular, maybe more than the others, that people really latched onto and responded to? Am I allowed to say two things? Absolutely. So I think the first thing that I feel really grateful and I I guess touched by is that people really responded to how capable Mare comes across whilst dealing with this extraordinary grief. And for me, that was very, very moving because um, we really tried to handle the mental health issues that run a sort of steady thread throughout Mm -hmm. our show. We tried to handle them with a really delicate hand. And it was... It was it was a it was a very fine line. It was a fine fine line because of course underneath it all, Mer, she is in grief, but she is also depressed. She is depressed, mm-hmm. and she has suffered herself at the hands of mental health. And 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 I think not playing that too heavily or heftily um, 
was really challenging. It just had to sit in the sort of pit of my stomach all the time and be, yeah. I guess, a quiet simmer that, you know, that, that was really hard and, 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 you know, would make me feel daily very, you know, sad and sick, really. Yeah. Um, so I think the fact that people responded to that in ways that uh, resonated with them or struck a chord with them and, and, and created some kind of a connection, um, that, that was wonderful. The second thing is how Mare looked. People yeah. have been just in raptures about how shitty we we were able to make Mare look. And mm-hmm. that was very important to us creatively. You know, we didn't want to do a kind of like TV version of this character or, you know, adapted for the screen version of someone looking, you know, like they haven't slept much and they don't really drink water and then they eat junk food and that they're basically depressed. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to just, you know, we wanted to keep it really, really real and... And and we would be strict about it too. We'd be like, no, not that T-shirt, too flattering. Let's mm. find one that's got a really bad line that hits at the hip on the widest point, you know, and we'd go for those things. Mm. No, no bra. She just got up out of bed. Why would she have a bra on? You know, I think you can, it's not necessary. you don't necessarily notice all of those things specifically, but what we hoped to try and do was just create a person who feels like all of us, feels like everyone else, you know? Mm. And somehow I think perhaps because of COVID and how much of a struggle that has been for everyone globally. There was something about how Mare comes across her demeanour, how she holds herself and looks, that I think sort of seemed to make people feel validated in a way. Mm. And that was very, very surprising. I didn't think that people would be so, I, I guess, responsive and almost grateful in a way that we were able to to do that and uh so that's that's made me really pleased yeah well you know sometimes i i mean it's a, a silly statement but you know the struggle is real and that's that's kind of exemplified here in in um so many ways for sure i on the topic of the uh mayor's look you uh had mentioned to my colleague samantha highfield that it was important for you to let vanity go and she of course has very specific wardrobe really kind of doesn't stray from what uh, what I guess you could say what makes her comfortable, um, but even down to like the messy ponytail. I, you know, I think one might think that the, the wardrobe and hair and makeup process may have been easier or quicker, but in, in ways was it opposite because downplaying everything is just as difficult as glam? A huge amount of thought and work and actually and preparation went into all the fine details. Like, it was very, it was it was an idea I had really early on in the kind of prep process when we were trying to figure out what her hair was going to be like. I mean, we had a kind of hysterical wig trying on session where we had short wigs and long brown wigs. And actually, in Brad Inglesby original description of Mare in episode one, Mare tall, athletic with a crop of short brown hair. And I was like, tall me, no, athletic, no, I'm more <laughs> donut like. <laughs> and and I just didn't think that the short hair was quite right. I felt it might make her a bit too sort of sharp or cold looking. Uh-huh. And actually, you know, being a woman, I know that I've gone through emotional cycles in my life where I've not wanted to look at myself in the mirror. I've certainly not wanted to go and get my hair done. You know, I I, I haven't given a shit about what I've looked like because mm-hmm. I just don't feel it. You don't feel feminine. You don't feel attractive. 
you don't feel any degree of concern for your emotional, your physical self. It's all about, I, I guess, sort of um, picking your way through those tough mm. emotional moments. And so for me, a lot of what Mare has gone through was reflected in that hair. And so we came up with this idea that if Kevin had died about 20 months previously, that she wouldn't have touched her hair mm. ever since then. Hence why she has this sort of four inches of not very nice re regrowth. Um, right, right. And, uh, and so we built that into the wig. That was a wig. Um, I just think oh, that was. every woman knows that was a wig. It's a full, a full and complete wow. wig. My hair is just a bit too, um, well, it was too long. I could have happily cut it. Mm. But actually, my hair is too fine. And we wanted Mare's hair to oh. feel like it was a bit thick and wiry and maybe a bit uncontrollable, which is why she ties it back all the time. So we sure. couldn't really achieve that with my own hair. Plus, to be honest, I'm very low maintenance at work. You know, once I'm sort of ready to go to set in the morning, I just like to be kind of left to get on with it. And if you use your own mm. hair instead of a wig, it takes a bit more management and kind of maintenance because it's more fly oh, away sure. and it constantly, you constantly yeah. have to be sort of fiddled with. So we went with a wig in the end. Um, and... You know, at the end of the day, we added a bit of eyebrow so that my eyebrows didn't look as defined. We didn't really want anything mm -hmm. defined at all about Mare's face. Um, and, you know, adding a few things like sort of sunspots on my cheeks and just little stuff like that mm -hmm. that just kind of make the face look really translucent and just nothing. And, yeah, we got it down to about mm -hmm. an hour, 45 minutes to an hour in hair and makeup in the morning, mm -hmm. and that was that. And then I'd throw my clothes on. We would never hang my clothes up. So I'd take my costume off and we would leave it in that sort of crumpled shape that we all leave Art. our jeans by the side of the bed when you've had yeah. too many beers. And you just like, mm -hmm. it just lives there in this crumpled sort of sculpture. Yep. So we would leave my clothes like that in the so trailer. Smart. We would just I mean, leave it all on the floor. So then in those regards, kudos to hair, makeup, costume, who are all oh, also yeah. nominated. Yeah, it was all, yeah. it was absolutely a sort of a creative team effort. And we did have a huge amount of fun, like just breaking down the costumes. We'd be scrubbing, like scrubbing like Marmite into the elbows of old jackets, you know, and, oh. and like hitting my shoes with like a cheese grater to scuff up the, you know, the leather or the the, the slippers, just these horrible house slippers. Yeah. And we just kind of trashed them with a cheese grater. So, wow. um, see, yeah. I, you'd never think of those things. I, I will watch this a completely different way on, on second viewing to check out these Good. details. That's that's really yeah. incredible. Okay, Good. so uh, the mayor's look was one of the things you said people responded to. And then kind of on that emotional, uh, the emotional aspect, um, the depression, the, the grief. Uh, I have to read this uh, quote to you. My uh, colleague Lynette Rice recently spoke to um, Titus Welliver and she asked him what he's been watching lately. And, and he said mayor of Easttown. And, and here's what he said uh, almost verbatim. I've been losing my mind. I've always had tremendous respect for Kate Winslet as an actor. Her performance on Mayor of Easttown, pound for pound, may be some of the best work I've ever seen an actor do. The acting is uniformly excellent, but Winslet's performance, uh, there's a scene where she's having a consultation with her grandson's doctor, and I kept having to pause it and take it in. It's inspiring, and I would say any actor, if they haven't watched this, it should be required viewing because Kate's work in it is an absolute masterclass clinic in economy and stillness. And it's staggering. Okay, so uh, wow, uh, yeah, wow, some, some really, amazing words. Wow, that's a really amazing thing to to hear, and actually, um, to hear those comments about that scene in particular, which mm -hmm. was not written in the way that we ended up playing it. 
you know, it was much more written like Mare's just kind of giving the facts. But every time I would rehearse the scene with my husband, I kept getting really upset. And he kept saying to me, you know, you're going to have to give them some options, babe. You can't just keep getting upset. <laughs> so so I then, I then just tried very, very hard to rein in the emotional um, sort of agony of really admitting that this is, this is the moment when Mare admits for the first time out loud that she was not a very good mother and that her son had things that she thought were wrong with him and that she could not fix. You know, he had mental health disorders, but yeah. she couldn't make any kind of peace with that. She just decided there was something wrong with her child and, and the shame and the guilt bound up in having failed him was it became agony for me to even yeah. talk about because I sort of built this backstory about Mare's relationship with Kevin. It's even hard to talk about now. Mm. You know, yeah. it was mm. it was very hard to um, just, I think, just walk the line. And I just wanted it to feel real. I just wanted it to feel like these are hap- things that happen to, to people all the time. And, and you know, I'm a mum. I've got three kids. You know, mm. we've all got our stuff. And yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of tricky detail to get around in that particular scene. Sure, um, sure. Well, yeah. specifically when he's talking about the, the economy and um, the stillness there, I mean, was it, uh, was it in the script? Was that something you guys worked out that we've got to build in these moments of just kind of quiet and silence because those sometimes speak more volume than actual words? Well, you know, I did this film um, called Ammonite, which was directed by Francis Lee. And actually, I have to really give a lot of um, applause and credit to Francis for something that he really did teach me about stillness, actually, within acting, because I tend to be quite a busy person. And physically, you know, I can, as an actor, I can, I use my body a lot and I use my hands a real lot. And Francis really taught me um, to just sort of reprogram my physical movements um, in working on Ammonite together. And I definitely think some of that did carry over into Mare in those quiet moments, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I had learned how to sort of calm, I suppose, my movements down and just really focus on, I think, trusting the dialogue, trusting the intention of the moment and not adding stuff like, you know, even flicking hair behind an ear or, Mm. you know, wiping your hands across your face or even those things can become distractions. Um, So I did learn a lot from him. Um, But Brad Inglesby's writing is, it's just so brilliant. And and, and it has a very real flow to it. You know, these are really Mm -hmm. human words to have been given to say. And that definitely helped. keep everything in the sort of like I suppose hopefully sort of natural emotional place that I wanted it to be that we all wanted it to be for Mare. Yeah I think it certainly worked. Um, I would like to talk to you about Jean Smart who is just uh, a gem if there ever was one. Uh, she she was uh, telling me I think she sold the story a couple times now about the day she fell down those stairs. Oh my uh, god. Con- concussion, broke a rib in the hospital for days. Uh, but she said when it happened, you were just kind of sitting there with her, comforting her while, you know, kind of she was in pain, waiting for paramedics to get there. 
And then uh, one of the paramedics said to her something about how worried her daughter was. And she was like, what are you talking about? My, my daughter's not here. And he's like, oh, her. And he's like, she said, that's Kate Winslet. Do you not realize who you were talking to? <laughs> he's like, nope, had no idea. <laughs> It was quite. It was quite funny. I mean, no, Jean falling down the stairs was not funny at all. Not it was like right, watching. Sure. It was like watching a stunt that was going very wrong, very slowly before my very oh. eyes. It was like, and I couldn't get to her fast enough. This was the thing, you know. Guy Pierce yeah. and I walk out the front door, and Helen sort of leans over the staircase a little bit too far, and on one take, she leant just really too far and fell over the banister oh. and down the downstairs. But Guy and I had walked away from the shot because we needed to clear the frame. And so we were probably about 20 feet from her, which sounds like it's not very far. But when you're trying to stop someone's fall, yeah, it's the difference between them injuring themselves and them hopefully not, if you are able to yeah. sort of dive in their way or catch them. Anyway, needless to say, I couldn't catch her and she'd fallen. Um, and I just... Uh, yeah, we we were just so close at that point. I just, and Gina's also diabetic, which I know she's talked about, so I think it's okay that I'm saying that. But so I was able to tell the paramedics like when she'd taken her insulin, when she'd last eaten something, because I'd seen her do it on set. And um, yeah, and she, yeah, and she she also has a wig as Helen, and mm -hmm. I knew that I knew that it would be kinder for her wig to be taken off before she was put into an ambulance than Ooh. for some paramedics to be stepping in right. and not really understanding what that was or what, you know. Right. So I sort of had her lying across my body uh, and, and I was trying to sort of cushion her back because she had cracked some ribs. Mm -hmm. And then with the other hand, I'm sort of holding the cushion to sort of protect her body. And then with the other hand, I'm leaning into her face and I'm just going, Jean, honey, I'm just going to take your wig off. And I'm sort of trying to... But she'd also hit her head, so I didn't know. I, right. I like I was trying oh. not to hurt. Oh God, it was, it was so awful. And luckily, she's such a sort of battle axe. She's such a cart horse that mm. she had only cracked a few ribs, which I know sounds like only cracked a few ribs. But we thought sure. like she had in. She we, we thought she had massive internal injuries and that she was yeah. going to have a concussion. And a, I mean, we were just so so lucky. And she hadn't mm. you know she hadn't hurt her neck or broken a limb. Um, yeah. But it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, but I went into sort of full sort of, yeah, like I was Caretaker protecting the family yeah. member. Uh, yeah, it was really, yeah. yeah. And, and I wouldn't let anyone near her. I was like, no, 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 I've got this, I've got this. I didn't want anyone to touch her. I just, yeah. it was so, it was bizarre. It was like a, a, it was like a fully mother-daughter moment. We were very well, fortunate I was... that we had it, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that kind of speaks volumes to the dynamic that the two of you must have created. Yeah, we just... We, we just really clicked in ways that I think, you know, are quite unusual. And we were very fortunate to have that connection. It, it was really special. And, and and I'll message her now, you know, hey, mummy, how are you? She goes, <laughs> and she, yeah, and she'll, she'll, hey, baby, she'll message me yeah. back. And uh, yeah, I think we'll always have that. It's really yeah. very special. Love that. As I understand it, you sent her the SNL sketch Murder Dirter. Oh my god! I'm so glad someone's <laughs> finally asking me about this. No one's actually asked me. Really? No, no. one. No I mean, one at first I had it me. as my first question. I was like, I should ask some other things first. But I mean, what what is it? Is it a badge of honor? What say you about murder? Dirty? I have never felt so validated as an actor in my entire life. 
as I now do because of Murder Durda. I mean, <laughs> forget I the mean, Oscar. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. It was honestly, we were we were crying, crying. And every now and then in our household, we'll be like, oh, should we just quickly watch it? <laughs> you have to. We'll it's crowd so around the and- iPhone, like crying with laughter. But I'll tell you something else that that really is hilariously funny that you don't have in the US, but we do mm-hmm. have in the UK. So for the longest time, we all as a creative team kept saying, oh my God, it's so strange with COVID, not being able to watch the show with people, not even with mm-hmm. real family members, and to see anyone's reaction. Okay, well, in the UK, there is a show called Gogglebox. Right now, Gogglebox, this is going to sound nuts. Gogglebox is a TV show which is essentially video recordings of people in their homes watching certain television shows. Right. So it's basically, it's like videos of you and I watching our favorite show. Right. That's essentially Uh what it is. They had an episode which covered episode five of Mayor of Easttown. Episode so five? we got to go into, yeah, we got to go into people's front rooms and watch their reactions to Zabel getting shot. Okay. No. Now, this is almost as hilarious as Murder Dirta. And I encourage everybody to Google Gogglebox, Mayor of Easttown, and some, there's about a seven minute segment that covers episode five that is oh. so screamingly funny. So that's another one we watch. We watch Murder Durda as a family, and yeah. then we're like, oh, quick, let's just watch Gogglebox as well. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely yeah, going to look funny. that up. Well, I was going to ask you about episode five because, ugh, oh, Evan Peters. I just... I know. Uh, I mean, you start to have a tiny suspicion that like, oh, no, something's going to happen, isn't it? And it sure as hell does. Okay, I want to know the the difference for you in filming the scene versus watching like the final cut of that. Yeah, so that is honestly a really, really good question because um, I'd say the end of episode five, like the final like sort of 14 minutes of episode five, that was the most sort of um, heavily worked on piece of editing across all of us, like Brad and Mark Roybal and then Craig Zobel and the editors and notes from HBO. Um, And it was partly because, you know, obviously we needed to get the tension right, um, the music had to be right, you know, all those kinds of things. But we also had, there was another element to the Wayne Potts story arc that we ended up completely removing, which was much more sinister. It went into the much more sinister side of what was actually happening to those women. And so what we did cut out of episode five were some elements where Mare is upstairs in the attic and having sort of seen those girls and, sh- and said sort of, shush, I'm coming back for you. Right. There was a, there's another room in the attic where we see sort of hints at what took place oh. in that room. So that had to be cut mm. out. And it wasn't a very extensive sequence, but it was enough that we had to editorial get things right for continuity reasons and so on mm. and so forth. So just a lot of that. Um and and I, you know, sh- shooting it was shooting it was just hot and and difficult and technical. Um, mm-hmm. But also, we had to remind ourselves that not like to let a sex Mare, scene, like a sex scene, so boring. Um, but we had to. But no, no, this was much more thrilling than a sex more scene. Exciting. Oh my god, sure. mm. so much more exciting. Um, but we had to really get it right because you know, in that moment of of Mare going. F- <laughs> 
I haven't got a gun. And, mm-hmm. and Z- Zabel has been shot. She doesn't know at that point when she runs away whether he's actually dead or not. But yeah. we had to be careful not to let her suddenly go into like action hero mode. And of course, mm-hmm. I'd learn all these policey things. I'd learn all the technical details and not just how to hold a gun, but, you know, how to hide, how to, you know, peek around corners of rooms, etc. You know, I'd learn all of those things. But I worked alongside a female detective named Christine Blayler, who was brilliant. And she would say to me over and over again, she'd say to me, shit happens, just keep it messy. You know, just with handcuffs, she'd say to me, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just slap them on and get, get them down the station. You know, she'd say things like that. So in that moment of, of, of Zabel being shot, she yeah. was just, she was full on, like, just let it be messy. Because as a police officer, you do have moments of complete panic where you think, oh, shit, shit, I've forgotten all my training. I don't know what I'm doing. And the most important thing, of course, is that she doesn't have a, a sidearm yeah. and or handcuffs. And she has nothing. She has nothing. Mm-hmm. So keeping the stakes high in terms of the panic, um, that was quite detailed. And then editorially, yeah, it just went through so many versions of itself, quite honestly. Um, but we were... Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 were really thrilled with how it landed oh. at the end of five, and and how it lands on the audience when wonderful, wonderful, heartwarming, winning Zabel is shot. You go into episode six thinking, but he can't really be dead. Yeah. Like you spend the first, I think, at least ten, fifteen minutes of six going, no, 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 he can't possibly be dead. He can't possibly be dead. And that was exactly what we'd hoped might happen. And of course, Evan's yeah. performance. Evan's performance is, it is so flawless, you know, he, yeah. he's such a fine actor. And mm. of course he doesn't think he is and he berates himself and he's really, really hard on himself, like we all are, but he sure. is really hard on himself. And, and so it was impossible to say to him, look, you're doing great, you're, you're mm-hmm. doing it all, just, just, just be okay with it. He could never quite be okay with it. Um, well, yeah, he he turned in a fantastic performance. I was just hoping for a minute, like maybe that bullet actually just hit his ear, and that's the kind of like that quick moment yeah. of blood we saw. But uh, sadly, no. And of course, I mean, our, our time's almost up here, but I have to recognize, of course, Julianne Nicholson's fantastic and very oh uh, understated and and quiet performance as well. She's just phenomenal. Uh, everyone is. on the team here, production design, editors, music. Uh, bravo all around on this. It's just uh, fantastic. And, and um, I, I, did, you know, there's some things that you're like, oh, do I want to watch something a second time? And it's involving murder and, and you know, kidnapped people and, and grief and all that. But this is something I want to watch again because I know there are things I missed the first time around. Um, so I will I will be oh, diving well, is, back in. That's great. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. And, you know, we I mean, we all just feel so, so proud of it. And you know, look, it's Brad Inglesby. He created a middle-aged heroine and in the form of Mare Sheehan. And, you know, I, I, uh, and I got to indulge in her and play her and be, you know, bitten yeah. in the ass by her. And, and we <laughs> and all... And perhaps uh, if he comes up with another idea, we'll have another season. Fingers crossed. Well, people keep asking, you know, do people do keep asking about it. And Mm-hmm. All I can tell you is the honest to God's truth, which, which was at the end of shooting, we were like, oh, holy hell, we can never, ever do that again. So if HBO bring up the idea of a season two, we've all just got to say, no, absolutely not. There's just no way we mm-hmm. could ever possibly do it. And then, of course, they, you know, there was talk of like, well, could there be? You know, when, <laughs> when the show was getting such great responses and creatively, Brad has shared some very cool ideas and I don't know, we'll see what happens, but... You know, I also have to like figure out, can I do it? You know, can I, yeah. could I go through it again? Like, cause it did, sure. 
you know, it did cost me a lot emotionally to to mm. to be her, and uh, I just have to figure out if I can summon all that up again and do it all again. Yeah. But you know, it was yeah. a, it was a ride, that's for sure. But we'll we'll I, see. We'll see. I cannot even imagine. Well. Uh, Fingers crossed for you, uh, come Emmy's Day. Uh, I greatly appreciate your time and and congratulations on everything. Thanks for joining us on The Awardist. Thanks, Jared. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Wow, Jared, you really murdered that interview. It was killer. (laughs) I hate myself, but I'm not as good as these puns as you are, but it was a killer interview. (laughs) Also, my mind is blown about the ponytail wig uh, right but it's uh, okay so she started telling me that story about you know how the the character was described a different way um right. and then they started working on wigs and so i thought she was just getting to the point of saying like none of those wigs worked and and then she made another comment about that it's a wig i was like hold hold on wait because i mean it, it makes total sense what she said the the roots needed to be grown out she's not taking care of herself uh since her son passed um uh, yeah, uh, it, it's those little details, like I told her, yes. that um, I you just don't think about when you're watching, but that speaks to how well they executed all of it. The hair, the right. makeup, uh, the, the wardrobe teams all nominated for Emmys as well, uh, and very rightfully so. And, and, and I see you, everyone else can't see it, but we're sitting here on video together and now you're playing with your ponytail. I'm playing with my ponytail, <laughs> yes. And congratulations also on being the first person to ask her about murder dirter. Incredible. Oh, I, I'm shocked. I, I don't know how no one's asked her, but um, she lit up when I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of people say once you've been, uh, you know, spoofed, satirized, impersonated on SNL, that like that is when you've made it. And uh, it That's certainly seems to be the case for her. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One day, Kristen, maybe they'll they'll spoof the awardist. <laughs> let's let's not let's not hope for that. Let's not hope for that. You never, you, you know, I, I'd rather I don't, remain a, in, in spoof anonymity than uh, <laughs> risk being nationally humiliated say that now. more than I normally am. <laughs> say that now. Cut to this fall, and it's Cecily Strong and Pete Davidson as us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't hate that casting. I don't right? hate it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, uh, look, I think that that's all the time we have for today. here today. We've had a lot of fun. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Kate Winslet and hearing us break down limited series, uh, the limited series race. We have more to come this season on The Awardist, so be sure to like, follow, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff, and, and keep following along, uh, as well as checking out our uh, content on EW.com. And, of course, everything we have to say on social media. You can find me at Jared Hall. Kristen, tell everyone where you are at Kristen G. Baldwin. Fantastic. Please do follow her. Follow me. We'd love to have conversations with you there. And we will see you next week on The Awardist. Bye.